Folks, today we're going to talk about happiness. How do you get happy? And uh, sometimes happiness, I can tell you, is just going on vacation. Who's got one coming up? Who's got vacation coming up? I'm excited for you. There's nothing like getting away. I had a chance to get away this month, and we went to the beach. And what I love about the beach is you get to get in that cold water, go body surfing, and be told again, by the waves, you will respect me. I, I went out on a morning. I, I told my family we're, every morning we're going to go body surfing. It'll be awesome. I bought them all fins to go out. and it, the, the whole joy is going under these waves or dropping in on them and just getting smashed on the beach. It's a joy. At least that's how I remembered it. And I went out the first day, and there were some big waves, and I thought, eh, I got you. I got this. No big deal. And I went under just like a dolphin, go way under low, and that wave took my head and just went, you will respect me. And I'm not kidding. I just face planted. And all my brother and my sons were out there. And I didn't want to react. But I wanted to make certain my neck was still, like, together. And I was all right. And so I didn't whine. But I, I was respectful the rest of the week. <laughs> no, I, I got a little spooked, actually. Great time for my family to get away. It's great. It's an honor to be able to serve adventure and have some time to be able to get away. I really appreciate that. We also enjoyed what makes you happy. It's not only the beach, but sometimes you diet a little differently when you're on vacation. Yeah, donuts. We did it. A couple days, had a donut or five. It was awesome. And so it's great to be back. We are talking about happiness today. And uh, Jesus really speaks to it. In fact, his lengthiest sermon, which takes about 10 minutes to read, the Sermon on the Mount, begins with eight happy attitudes, eight of them. It's the only place in all of Scripture where Jesus talks about happiness in a very specific way. And this week on this campus, it's been a happy place. Here's why. 180 to 200 children have been here every day last week. They've been supported by students, 60 students, and 25 workers from five different churches, all partnering together to make a great week for young people right here in this building. And this week, we saw 70 young people make first-time decisions to believe in Jesus Christ. That means that, means that your support of, of all the churches here in town has, has changed forevers. I mean, how many of you made a first-time decision to believe in Jesus when you were a little, a little one? Anybody? For me, that's what, when it happened. My heart started opening when I was a little kid, and I went to a vacation Bible school. Last week was a big deal. It was also a big deal. Everyone got these shirts, and uh, all the adults and student workers got these shirts. And these shirts are cool because they are personally crafted by a ministry we support in Cambodia called AIM. These girls have been rescued from terrible crimes, and they, are, they make shirts for companies in the U.S. that need shirts. And so all of our shirts had actually a, a tag on them that indicated precisely what girl who was rescued made that shirt. Isn't that cool? So all our shirts. So I'm in, actually this week, we have uh, some connections here at Adventure to the annual Run for the Hungry, one of the largest uh, races in the country. And I took her aside. I said, hey, let's get them girls doing those shirts. There's like 30,000 athletes that run. I thought even if a few shirts we got to make. Wouldn't that be cool? Are you with me? Okay. So anyways, a lot of happy things happened this week. I think probably the biggest special thing was seeing all of our churches work together and serve together all week. You know, when you're around 180 or 200 kids, you got to kind of get along. 
And uh, these adults, 25 adults and 60 students, incredible students, mostly from Encounter Church. They've got an incredible student ministry. They were incredibly influential all week. If you served at VBS this week, would you just stand up and say, help me, help me, help me. Stand up. If you served this week, stand up. We want to honor you. Thank 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 you for serving. All right. Happiness. Happiness. How do you, how would you like to kind of move the needle? What if I told you there's really more happiness? What if I told you there's really a way to do it? What if I told you there's really a way to do it? And you might think, of course, I'm pretty happy. Yeah. Do you know, statistically, in the U.S., folks are not happier? Do you know, statistically, onset depression is setting in at an earlier age than it ever has? In the 1960s, onset depression didn't set in till someone was about 29 years old. Today, even with all the technology, all the information, medical even with all of the opportunity young people have today, the onset depression begins at age 14. We're smarter. We've got more resources. We're not happier. <laughs> and I want to tell you just from the outset that everything that you've been taught about being happy is wrong. Jesus is going to just step out and say, everything you ever heard about being happy is wrong. That's how he begins. And I want to lead you on this journey. We're going to just look at four of the attitudes that he says will lead to happiness. We're going to try to move quickly. Um, I want to be punctual, and I think this building is heating up. Can you feel it? Am I the only one? Okay, so I, I want to be sensitive to that, but I, wanna, I really want Jesus to speak to you today. I, I mean it. I want him to speak to you today. Let's, let's, in fact, pause and just ask him to do that. Can I do that? Heavenly Father, we're, we're, we're so easily uh, distracted. We're so disinterested sometimes. We're so antsy. Gosh, help this be a moment where we hear from your son Jesus for real. Amen. Here we go. Every single thing you ever thought about happiness is wrong. Jesus begins his lengthiest, most influential sermon in this way. He says this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That means blessed are you when you're humble. Who wants to be humble? (laughs) Where's the fun in that? Blessed are the poor in spirit. You got me at poor. (laughs) Who wants to be poor? (laughs) I don't want to have anything. I want to be fully without anything. No fun, right? Challenging times sometimes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Number two, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Who wants to mourn, really? Have you been with someone this week that's been mourning? It's hard. (laughs) Jesus is saying there's a blessing there. There's happiness when you're, when you're around people who are mourning. I'll talk about that a little bit more. Thirdly, blessed are the meek. The meek? These are the people who don't show their power. These are people who are really good at keeping their mouth shut. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, it doesn't describe me either. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meek are people who can have a lot of self-control with everything. They don't showboat. They don't try to show off. They're very self-controlled. Fourthly, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I don't know about you, but when I'm hungry and thirsty, I'm grouchy. Do any of you, are any of you have family members that when they're hungry and thirsty, you're like, well, we got to get food right now. There's a, there's a crisis, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. These are the first four steps. Jesus' prescription for being happy. Let me begin with the first. Blessed are the humble. 
Blessed are the humble. If, if, you're, if, you're, hap, if you're humble, you're going to be happy. What? Now, understand, in the U.S., one of the number one goal for 2017 in the U.S. was personal character. Did you know that? It wasn't weight loss. That's like five. Number one goal for Americans was character. This particular characteristic is the, is the one or two, number one or number two of what it takes to have great character. The second is discipline. But the first is humility. And someone who I think is kind of a great example of humility, I've mentioned it about five years ago, was Sir Edmund Hillary, whom, whom climbed Mount Everest in 1953. Very first person to ever do it. And he was posing for a picture at base camp, and some people passed by to take a, to, and watching him have a photo taken of him and his, uh, his assistant. And he wasn't holding the pick correctly according to standard pick holding training, whatever that is. And so someone that was passing by thought they needed to tell this guy who didn't know what he was doing how to hold a pick. So the person went up to Hillary after he had summoned Everest and said, hey, sir, you're not holding your pick right, to which Sir Edmund Hillary said, gosh, thank you, I didn't notice. And they walked away. How well do you handle getting corrected? Let me ask that one again. How well do you handle getting corrected? How well do you handle someone saying, hey, you thought about how you're coming off? Have you thought about the words you just said? Have you thought about what you just did? Humility is real easy when you're ready for it, right? Be humble, be humble, be humble. I love, we're going to have a little video binging today. I love the moment that these two great athletes and great Christian men, to my knowledge, were caught in this week at the ESPYs. Did anyone see the ESPYs? Peyton Manning, his opening monologue. He starts talking about two athletes. One's a Golden State Warrior. The other's an Oklahoma City Thunder. Anybody see it? Okay, so he's going to start talking about... Kevin Durant, and then he's going to talk about somebody else. And I just want you to see how sometimes it doesn't matter what we're worth, how much we've accomplished, humility is a tough thing to swallow, especially when you don't get a little Google Calendar reminder that it's coming up. Here it is. Check us out. And our gymnastics team was so dominant that Kevin Durant told me he wants to play for them next year. Yeah, he, he loved this moment. Yeah. I tell you, I don't think he'd start for that team, Kevin. Yeah. Russell Westbrook, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I learned from that. When you feel like your character's being stretched and you're being asked to be humbler, more humble than you really got what it takes, cover your mouth. <laughs> right? Hey, humility is a hard thing, especially when you're not ready. Jesus is saying, happy are the humble. How do you do this? How do you, how do, you do this? Here's, humility is not thinking less of yourself. No, because God has the hairs on our head numbered because God cares for us deeply. We're loved unconditionally. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking, thinking of yourself less. Don't think less of yourself. Think of yourself less. I think it's hard to not, I think it's hard to think of myself less. 
I find it very easy to think of myself all the time. Can anyone relate? I like myself most of the time, so I think of myself a lot. Yeah. It can get kind of chronic, can't it? Right? Oh, no, no, this doesn't relate to any of you. This is just for me, right? Yeah. How do we, how do we move, move the needle? How do, we, how do we grow in this area of not falling into this kind of chronic lifestyle of always thinking of ourselves, <laughs> putting ourselves first? How do we do that? Uh, I think there's a real way. I, the first way is what not to do. Don't be by yourself all the time. It's a real temptation in our culture. We're stressed. What do you want to do? Get alone. Get alone. Get alone. Get alone. Get alone. Get alone. Right? No, none of you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. We want to get away. Get alone. No, no, no. The key to growing in humility is go be with others. Yeah. Go be with those people that drive you crazy. Yeah. Go be with those people that always need a favor. Those people that want to borrow your truck. Those people that, they're moving again this weekend. They need help. Those people that stretch you. See, when you, in our culture, when you get by yourself, you feel free. It's being, having some time alone is important, okay? Especially you moms, you need some time alone. But, but that's not always the path to humility. I've learned the path to humility is being around people, growing in compassion and empathy, learning to hurt and feel for people. We have been, inclu- we've been encouraging adventurers to practice this acronym every day. It's called BLESS. Begin each day with prayer. Every day, give Jesus the first 15 minutes of your day. Give him five minutes of praise music, five minutes of giving thanks, five minutes of scripture reading. That's kind of like suiting up before you go about your day. Begin each day with prayer. Listen to what's going on around you. Just listen. There's so much going on. Uh, while I'm kind of energetic and excited today, this is fun. Ah, there's been some tough stuff going on in our community this week. Oh, tough. Folks are mourning. It's healthy to be with them and listen to them. Begin each day with prayer. Be a listener. Thirdly, eat with people. <laughs> some of you just stop with, at eat. Eat with people. We all eat. Eat with people. Don't eat alone. In fact, do what the Italians and French are so good at. When you go to Jack's Urban Eats or you go to your favorite restaurant and you happen to be by yourself, sit with somebody else if, if there's space. <laughs> yeah. If it's just two chairs, it might be a little awkward. But if there's six, grab a corner. We, we're a culture that likes to do everything alone. It's not healthy. Thirdly, when you're eating with people and you're listening to them, think about how to serve them. Serve them. Serve them. Think about how to serve them. We live in a culture, it's hard for us to serve. We're exhausted, right? It's hard. We don't want to serve. Boy, you start serving people, it'll, it'll increase your humility. It will increase your humility. My brother-in-law tells this great story. He used to work down in Orange County, and uh, near his place of employment was a Bentley dealership. I've never been on a Bentley dealership parking lot. I don't plan to. But there was this new employee there, and this guy came on the parking lot uh, in rainbow sandals, shorts, and a Hawaiian shirt, and said, hey, uh, he couldn't get anyone to help him, except this new guy that showed. He just started working that very week, and he saw this guy who looked kind of grubby, and they were in Newport Beach, so 
he didn't, he didn't judge him like the other employees had, so he just goes up to him and said, hey, how can I help? He said, get your manager. The guy thought he was in trouble. He get, my brother-in-law knows the owner of this uh, dealership, so he told me the story. He said, the guy thought he was in trouble. First week on the job, goes to the manager and says, hey, this guy wants to talk to you. I have no idea what's going on. The guy comes up to him and says, hey, I want that Bentley as long as he gets the commission because he's the only one that came up and served me. $35,000 a day. It's important to serve. <laughs> Be attentive to serve when you're serving. It, pe- that's the, people really connect with that kind of language when you serve them. <laughs> Try it in the home. Jeremy Jones preached a sermon last fall. I thought it was great. Ask the question in your home. Hey, what can I do to help? Uh-uh. No one wants to ask that question, do they? What can I do to help? Serve. Lastly, when people see that you want to be a blessing, you're going to have an opportunity to share the strongest story in your life. That is your Jesus story. The moment you gave your life to Jesus, tell him your story. It's a powerful story to tell. It'll change lives. Happy are the humble. Secondly, happy are the hurting. Happy are the hurting? Are you serious? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This, this idea of mourning is tough. We, we want to do everything we can to distance ourselves from, from pain. You know that as a culture, we want to do everything we can to distance ourselves from pain. In fact, I think one of the best examples of how we, how we imagine in our mind that not having pain is a good thing comes from this British astronaut, Tim Peake, who was in orbit, in a space station for six months, and you would think that life would be easier on his body. Well, it was in orbit, but it's not when he comes back. He was in orbit for six months, where he had, because it was an orbiting shuttle, he had zero. When he came back, when he came, and he ran, he worked out two hours every day. When he came back, his muscle tissue um, was reduced by 40%. He lost some vision. Um, he, his bone marrow decreased significantly. Um, it is statistically supposed to take you anywhere from three months to three years to readapt to gravity after living in, in resistance-less space station life. We imagine life without trouble, life without difficulty, that's the life. Total comfort would be much easier on us. I'm not sure that's true. I'm not sure that's true. We view, some say, Americans view pain as the great intruder of our lives. But think about it. When you work out really hard <laughs> and you didn't want to work out, but at the end of that workout, don't you feel a sense of joy? Like, I did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I pulled the hamstring. Yeah, but I did it. Uh, those endorphins kick in. I feel better. I did what I didn't want to do. It was painful, but I feel much better now. Some of us go through way more difficult pain than just a workout. There's, there's health issues. There's separation issues. There's relational issues that are very hard. What do we need to do with our hurt? Let me suggest this. Philip Yancey, great author on pain. He wrote a book called Where's God When It Hurts. He wrote a new abridged uh, version that's excellent. Here's what he says. When you have no experience of pain, it's rather hard to experience joy. There's no pain in your life. You're not going to have any joy. So how do we pursue happiness in the midst of 
Hurt? Here's how. Let tough times develop the character and compassion you'll need for your next season. There's a, there's a season. You're, we're always preparing for something. God is always preparing you for something. When you're going through a tough time, it's a season. It, it might last uh, today only. <laughs> it could last a, a season. It can be three years in the Bible. It can be seven years. It can be 14 years. I'll stop there. Uh, but let the hard times develop in you the character, the humility, but also the empathy. I think God is trying to help us become more empathetic people where we can really look someone in the eyes and feel their pain. Jesus can do that. Happy are the hurting because they can feel other people's pain. And if, you, if, you, if you're listening, if you're blessing people, yo, there's pain. It's tough. Let tough times develop the character and compassion you'll need for the next season. How do you know you're ready to get married? Anybody wonder? How do you know? <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't do an open forum here. But here's, here's how. It's because you've endured a tough season. Marriage is tough. But if you've endured a tough season before marriage, you're going to be ready for the next tough season. Thirdly, happy are the harnessed. Happy are the harnessed. You can see our attempt to keep with the H's here. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meekness, power under control. Look, look at this, uh, this Jackie Robertson clip, Dodger Blue number 42, and the kind of meekness that his general manager was looking for from him. I think it's worth hearing. You want a player who doesn't have a guts to fight back? No. I want a player who's got the guts not to fight back. Isn't that beautiful? That's, that's power. Men, when I think about meekness, uh, just guys, it's for me, it's about guarding my tongue. Not saying what's on my mind the moment it's on my mind. Asking bigger and better questions instead of making bigger and bolder statements. It's, it's self-control here, and it's self-control here, taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. Happy are the meek. We think in order for us to be powerful, we always have to be showing our power. Some people believe that the only way they can have power is to be a 100% power show. Do you know anyone like that? Would you be willing to admit that sometimes it's you? Meekness is having all this power, yet, yet knowing you don't always have to use it all the time. How do, you, how do you pursue the happiness that comes with harnessing power? Meekness. You hold on to whatever God's given you until God wants to make use of it. You hold on. Look at how... Look at who the happiest person in the room is in this video. This... Uh, this talent video features a young lady whose mother, um, whose mother rescued her dying daughter by giving her her kidney. And it really features her meekness, her generosity. Check this out. It's a great story. Who are these lovely people here? That's my mommy and my dad. That's mommy and daddy? Yeah, she's special. We're a little biased being her parents and all. But five years ago, we never imagined that she would be here today when Angelica was four years old, she started coughing and having fevers. 
We brought her into the emergency room, and that's when we found out she had double pneumonia, and her kidney stopped working. Things were getting really bad really fast. They brought in a chaplain to talk with us. We thought that we're about to lose her. What saved her life is she got her kidney transplanted from her mother. But what did mommy give you? Mommy gave me her kidney. Oh, mommy gave you her kidney. Oh, that's how it's She's my hero. <laughs> it's her dream to become a singer. Her being here today is a miracle. If I won America's Got Talent, I would get a puppy. I would get a puppy. Like a small thing. Angelica, okay, win it for you. yourself. Thank you. You're welcome. Whitney Houston. You're broken down and tired. <laughs> life on a merry-go-round. And you can't find the Isn't that awesome? <laughs> so who's who's the happiest person in that theater? Yeah, mom. Mom. In her own meekness, she got to give something that God had given to her away. That's what meekness is. It's power under control. Some of you moms, I think, are unbelievable. 
here in our church. I'm not saying others aren't. There's just some I, I know better than others. Amazing what you're doing for your children, for your child. Amazing. For this community, for your family. It's meekness. You're tough. Happy are the meek. How do you do it? You hold on to whatever God's given you until God wants to make use of it. You don't, you don't, you don't always have to show your power. You'll be happy if you don't. Lastly, I'm going to move quickly here. Happy are the hungry. <laughs> what? Happy are the hungry? Who's hungry right now? Let's straight up. Who's right now? Who was thinking of lunch as I said that? Let's be honest. You're in the Lord's house. <laughs> All right. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I'm going to read this for the sake of time. A sign that I'm not healthy spiritually is that I'm not hungry for the Bible. A sign that I'm not healthy spiritually is I'm not hungry for the Bible. See, spiritual food is different than physical food. Spiritual food, the less you spend opening the Bible, the less you, time you spend on your knees in prayer, the less time you spend giving an hour of your time to worship God, the less you'll want to read the Bible, the less you'll want to get on your knees and pray, the less you'll want to give the Lord His day once a week. See, it's different from regular food. See, regular food, the more donuts I eat, strange phenomenon, I want more. It's crazy. The more cookies I eat, if you bring milk into the equation, all of a sudden, I can do a dozen, right? But when it comes to spiritual food, the less I do what Jesus said, live on the Word of God, the less I'm interested. Isn't that kind of scary? <sighs> How healthy are you spiritually? Here's a tool for you. If you have your smartphone out, take it out. I'm going to give you a tool right now. How do you give Jesus the first 15? Maybe opening the Bible, that's uh, overwhelming to you. You're like, hey, you had me at uh, numbers. I can't do it. Okay. What about letting us send you a devotion every week? to your phone. Video, here it is. If you'll text refuel to this number, deeply. All summer long, we're going to be studying through the Word of God. Uh, this series is called Uncensored. We'll be in it for a few more weeks. In August, we're going to do a series called Habits. Three weeks of creating new life-changing habits in your life. And then in, in October, we're going to do a series on hearing from God. You know what? Uh, we've got a couple more minutes. Let me, let me end with this story. This is kind of a, a heartbreaking story, but it teaches us the importance of humility. It teaches us the importance of forgiving others and, and really reconciling our relationships. This comes from a family in Placer County. Wife writes, I caught my husband having an affair with another woman. How many agree with me that adultery is wrong? <laughs> it's wrong, okay? I'm not... Uh, the wife says that her husband swore it would never happen again. He begged me to forgive me, forgive him, but I could not and I would not. I was bitter and so incapable of swallowing my pride that I could think of nothing but revenge. I was going to make him pay and make him pay dearly. I'd have my pound of flesh. I filed for divorce even though my children begged me not to. Can you see that? Even after the divorce, my husband tried for two solid years to win me back. Good man. 
good woman in the same situation. He finally had to give up. I refused to have anything to do with him. He had struck first. Now I was striking back. Are any of you have that kind of bitterness in your life now that you need to get rid of? All I wanted was to make him pay. Finally, he gave up and he began rebuilding his life without me. I see him occasionally and to be honest, he looks pretty happy. They all do. And here I am, a lonely, old, miserable woman who allowed her selfish pride, happy are the humble, and her foolish stubbornness, happy are the meek, to ruin her life. Unfaithfulness is wrong. Revenge is worse. And the worst part of all is that it's without forgiveness. Bitterness is all I have left. God wants a better for all of us. He wants all of us to enjoy true happiness. That's why Jesus says, happy are the humble. Happy are the hurting. Happy are the hungry. I want you to be happy.